Welcome to the Passion Harvest podcast audio series. Thank you so much for listening today. I am Louisa, your host, International Passion Ambassador. If you would like to watch this episode, please head over to our Passion Harvest channel on YouTube. We love taking you on a journey to discover your passions. Thanks for listening. Hello, passionate listeners and watchers. Welcome to Passion Harvest. I am Louisa, your host. Thank you so much for joining me wherever you are in the world right now. Our guest today is Kelly Sammy. She committed suicide and died. Kelly Sammy had a profound near-death experience, which included an encounter with angels. Her life dramatically changed when she returned. Kelly is a psychic medium and intuitive channel. This is her story and this is her passion. Kelly Sammy, welcome to Passion Harvest. I'm so excited to hear your story and share it and have you on the show today. Welcome. Thank you. I feel honored to be here and I'm loving your channel and I'm glad that we bumped into each other and collided on this crazy ball flowing through the sky because these types of things are really critical to you know, making sure the masses are getting an awareness of how much they're loved. And I think we both come from the same kind of heart sense of wanting that for everyone. Oh, so thank you. Beautiful. Well, yeah. I'd love to just dive in and get started with your near-death experience and the events to, leading up to it, if you don't mind sharing it with the audience. I had a near-death experience in 2008 while living abroad in New Zealand on a little tiny island um, off of Auckland. And I don't know if there was any one profound, this is it, that caused it. It was just a, a combination and a buildup of things, if you will, that led me to finally decide that I wanted to leave this body and that my choice of leaving this body would be through suicide. Um, I want to preface before we enter into the discussion of the suicide itself that I am by no means promoting um, anyone trying to leave their own physical body. I'm not promoting suicide. I'm not a doctor or a nurse or any kind of a healthcare um, professional. I am somebody who is a normal soccer mom who had a pretty profound experience. We call it near death. I was dead. Um, and what I experienced is what I'm going to share here today. But of course, the entry point of the suicide is part of that topic. So please um, be gentle with yourself. Um, if that's something that you're um, close to in any way for yourself or someone near you. So um, the plan D kicked into effect. The idea of suicide began to stage itself and planning began to take place. And so um, for me, what that looked like was a rationalization is how I describe it with this human self and this brain self that said, everyone here would be better off without you. And something in the disease mind believed that. It believed that I would be sparing those that I loved the most, um, my son, um, my family, um, that they wouldn't have to deal with this. And I think it's really ironic in being hindsight 2020, when I look back, they weren't dealing with any of it because I hit it so well. So to them, I was just living a very normal, happy life. 
Um, but when everyone would go to bed, my depression would reach its peak because I had carried that, you know, fake vibration all day of being a happy person. And once everyone was in bed and lunches were made and the house was clean and the dishes were done, I would take myself to the shower and I would turn it on and I would sit on the floor of the shower and I would cry. Oh. And I was severely depressed. Um, so um, I believe it was a Saturday. It was a weekend. I woke up like any other day. And that morning said, this is the day. Life was always happening to me. This felt like something I now had control over. When I do it, how I do it, where I go, how it will relieve people I love, at least in my mind, that was the thinking. And I had saved medications. I had pre-purchased um, pre-mixed gin and tonics, which I'm not a drinker. I don't know why I chose that, but I just did. I had a notebook um, to write suicide notes and I had organized my favorite pillow and blanket and I was ready to go. And I, we did our family photos. Um, the family thought that I was off for an appointment and so they weren't concerned and off I went in my SUV with my things. So there I was. And I began to take the medication, drink the gin and tonic slowly and write suicide notes one by one. Some of these I had already written the longer ones. Um, most of them I hadn't. So I sat there and did this while I was taking the medication very slowly. That was the only thing I had researched. I didn't know anything else about this. I didn't even know if the medications that I had saved, which were all just in one pill bottle mixed together, were even gonna you know, cause this to happen. Um, but I was determined. So, I started to feel the medication as I got further into the, the suicide note writing. And um, I, I felt that it was probably time to start making my last efforts to get out and maybe use the restroom or feel my body move around a little bit more before moving to the back of the SUV, which was always my plan. As the medications were so kicking in and I opened the door to step out, I realized, oh, we're beyond this. My legs were wobbly. I, it almost like was like uh, my feet had fallen asleep. Nerves had now kicked in. This is real. This is happening. I felt a little bit of hyperventilating happening. So I knew it was time to lay down and calm myself. So I pushed everything to the back and climbed over into the back. And this part still can be heavy to talk about. So I apologize if I get emotional, but um, it feels like I'm talking about someone else, but someone else who was really broken. And for that, I, she, this one, this little gentle one, I still try to nurture her through talking about this. Um, I had my blanket, I had my pillow and I was just rocking. And I just remember saying to myself over and over, over again, having been raised Catholic and being cons extremely concerned that I was going to go to hell. I just kept saying, I know God is a loving God. I know God is a loving God. And that was the thing that really helped me kind of just breathe through what was happening because that's all I could do. Ironically, that breathe through will come back later, but 
that's what I was doing. And I had no concept of meditation or any concept of any of breathing techniques or anything like that. Um, but apparently that's what I was doing without consciously realizing it. I was breathing very consistently. And I just kept saying, I know God is a loving God. And then the thought came, well, how you, how will you know when you're dead? Which is really, it's kind of a crazy question, but how will you know when you're dead? No one's ever really answered that for us, right? Except people who apparently have had these types of experiences, whether it's out of body or near death or whatever. But I just kept saying, are you still breathing? And then I would check. And then I would go back to God is a forgiving God. Are you still breathing? And it was just this strange melody that kind of formulated itself into what I call a rhythmic pattern. And it was my way of coping or soothing myself through a very, very traumatic experience that I, that I was convinced and determined to make happen. As this was going on, I started to notice sensations in the body, um, like vibration and a crackling sound. And you will hear me say this often, most ND ears will. There's no language I can use that will give you an accurate depiction or description of what happened. I do the best that I can to point to it, but I always say words are hard to describe this. So just understand that the linear mind wants to wrap what's happening here with us into my story. And it's, they're not two of the same experiences at all. The popping and the crackling sounds and the vibrational sensations and almost like a pulling sensation that was building, they weren't happening to me. I was them. And that was the first kind of noticing that something was very off here. But I just assumed the alcohol and the medication was causing this feeling of separation. I was separating from this thing that no longer felt like me. And I was paying more attention to the sounds and the cracking and the pop popping and all of the things that seemed to be going on, the pulling sensation I wasn't interested in what was going on with the body at all. There was just a fascination with this and an assumption I'm assuming now that, okay, the death is happening. But what became odd was all of a sudden I was above it or I felt above it. I felt removed from it. And the top of my SUV was clear, like it wasn't even there. And I was the one looking down at the physical body that seemed to be struggling and moving and um, just really, really looking uncomfortable um, below. And as I witnessed this, there was a curiosity that I wasn't feeling it. I just knew that that thing was uncomfortable. That thing was experiencing um, something I had never known but there was no sensation of any of that discomfort, just a watching. I wasn't concerned about the body. I wasn't concerned about the death. I wasn't even concerned about my family at that moment. It felt like everything had just quieted down enough to be a witness of all of it. The sensation of the vibration, the sensation of, um, the crackling sounds and the popping sounds and the 
pulling upwards continued to just build momentum. And as the body beneath seemed to be doing the struggle more and more, the less and less interested I felt about it is the only way I can describe it. It wasn't, I need to save her. I need to get in there poor her. I want to go back was none of that, nor was there an assumption I was dead. It was just like this fascination is the only thing I can explain or curiosity overrode all of it. Nothing was being labeled. The last thing I remember noticing about the thing beneath me, the thing being the body of Kelly, um, was, um, apparently getting sick and noticing that that sickness um, was the last movement. Um, and then there was just this pulling sensation that was so strong that I now couldn't resist it, nor did I have any interest in trying to resist it. It was just, again, no attachment to the body. And then there just felt like this propelling energy that was pulling me upwards, but it wasn't an up again. It was an out. That's a better way to, to say it. it was an expansion. Um, but for practicality sensations, it felt like a pulling upwards. And the popping, the crackling, and the movement, and the vibration just intensified in a way I could never describe or recreate. Um, and the next thing I knew, I just felt like I was... I was movement, I wasn't being moved, and I wasn't a body, which, again, just didn't even feel unreal to me. So obviously, there was something natural about this, um, and felt familiar, I guess is the best word to describe it. The pulling sensation, the uh, trusting all of this, and not being afraid, and no longer monitoring, you know, that God was kind and gentle and that am I still breathing? All of that had dissipated and I hadn't even noticed there was no more breath and there was no body. There was just, I'm all of this <sighs> into this darkness. Darkness may sound scary to some, but it was the most peaceful place I've ever been. And I'm lucky and grateful that I'm able to experience that when I meditate now it's just um, I refer to it as the abyss because it is just this peaceful gentle resting place a respite if you will of expansion I noticed a sensation that I felt like I was unfolding in this but again there was no me there was no body there were no arms or legs so what was unfolding obviously energy like coming out of a sardine can, just this expansion was happening and all of a sudden there was the ability to be all of it. I was all of it. I felt so loved, I felt so protected and I would have been completely at peace just remaining in this space. In that, there was just an acceptance of this. Again, I, I try to talk about this a little bit because I imagine if I were on the other, uh, other end of viewing this, I would want to understand what the sensations were, what the curiosity was about the body. And 
again, I just say none of that was going on other than noticing the expansion. And I don't know how long I stayed in this darkness, but I felt the vibration again, intensifying the popping and crackling. I was all of that. Um, and it just, it, it just got so big that it felt like it didn't, belong in this dark space anymore and that upward motion and almost like a sense of being called if you will um to all of a sudden being thrust into this space of the most beautiful pale pink i've ever seen i can't even recreate it i've tried i played with watercolors i've done everything to try and recreate it and the brain gets so frustrated because it just can't but it was the most magnificent thing and I wasn't experiencing it again. I was it. I was all of that. I was the pink. I was these smells, um, the most beautiful floral smells. And I'm not great at naming flowers, but, um, you know, they were, um, intense, almost like gardenia smells, which I think of as very intense, um, or lilacs, you know, again, those, that wasn't the smell, but what I'm trying to relay is it was such an intense smell. All of us have had that experience of walking by a honeysuckle bush or something. And you're just like, whoa, that's intense. And that's what this was, but I wasn't smelling it. I was the smell and these angelic, oh my gosh, the most beautiful, um, choir-like music, but I wasn't experiencing it I was it I was the notes I felt it I was it I was the movement of it and I just felt such a tremendous amount of love again I don't know how long I stayed in this area or this pinkness and there again was just a sense of a calling or being led or drawn nobody just telepathic knowingness to stay with that as I was all of it I didn't have to go anywhere it was just be aware and a sensation of come come I didn't know anything about most of the angels other than the ones that I grew up within Catholicism and one of the reasons I loved Catholicism so much was all of the mystical pieces that go into the religion itself um, the apparitions of Mary the angels um, the archangels and so I do feel strongly that for those reasons the encounters that I had seemed to relate to the things I loved in this life experience. And one of those was these beautiful aspects of Catholicism and, and understanding of God and religion and angels and presence of other beings. There's always an openness or a willingness, I guess is what I'm saying. This experience of knowing there was something that was uh, calling to me led an openness to this witnessing of this space that was so gorgeous that I was, but there was a knowingness that this was something different. This was something more profound and to stay with it and a knowing that it was Archangel Gabriel. And I, and, and I didn't know why I knew that. I just knew that I knew that. So the energy of expansion 
became such that I was in this other space. Um, I describe it like a tomb. That's the only way I can describe it. It was very um, ornate. Um, and although there was no hierarchy and there was no, you are this and they are that, um, there was just this understanding that um, I was to be there and that what was going to be shown was necessary and to just go with the flow of all of it. And this tomb, although it felt very grandiose and there was a part of me that, that recognizes I felt a little unworthy of being there, which was interesting to look back on in hindsight after my near death, that that was the only moment I felt kind of like I didn't belong in the journey. And my human kind of self was feeling like an ego sense of not being allowed to be there is the only way I can explain it. But that immediately was absorbed. Like it couldn't exist there to doubt. It couldn't exist there to have no worth. It couldn't exist there to be separate from. And in that, I was seeing more and more going on around me. It felt like I was um, seeing things um, that had happened in the 38 years, just in front of my eyes, this whole um, experience of everything that I had done for 38 years. I know this is referred to as a life review for my own self and my own edification. I still don't consider it a life review because most of the life reviews that I've heard about were more of a this was right, this is wrong, almost like you're in a school, you're being punished for this, you have to go back for that. And that wasn't my own personal experience. And, and it's perfect if that's been other people's experiences, but my experience didn't feel like that, that at all, which is why I say that it wasn't really a life review, it felt like a celebration. Every single thing that I had done for 38 years, the things we call good or bad or right or wrong or sinful or, um, are glorious, um, we're now seeing as just perfect experiences. And all of them were a necessary part of my journey. And every single thing that seemed to be coming forward, I wasn't just seeing it, I was the experience of it as if I was reliving it again, but in seconds and seconds and seconds. Painful things that I had gone through as a young child. Um, I've, I've mentioned this in other videos. Again, this is another kind of tr trigger topic, but I was molested by my uh, paternal, or I'm sorry, my maternal grandfather when I was three years old. And he was on the other side. And I had the experience of connecting with him. Um, and when I say connecting physically as if their body was there so that I could recreate or reenact or rediscuss the life moment that had happened and clear it right there in that moment. Um, all right, Milo's being a little wiggly here. Settle down, buddy. These things that we tie ourselves to, experiences that are happening here in the human in the human body, are not perceived the same on the other side, as I refer to it, um, because the egoic mind isn't apparently present in this. It's not necessary anymore. 
So seeing someone who had molested me or re-engaging with somebody that I may have hurt or an experience that may have happened in this human life was just like watching a movie for me. It was like having the experience come up, going, yes, 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 that was awesome, way to celebrate life. And then that experience was gone. And that actor, as I now refer to them, that came up in my play, um, in my soul plan, poof, gone. There was no more needing to revisit that. So that seemed to go on again for some amount of time, but a matter of seconds when I revisit it in my, in my recollection. So again, no idea of space or time or how long it was there in that. There just came to a point where there was a sense of understanding or knowing that I wasn't going to be staying. That what was being drawn out here for me to witness um, was more of almost like an explanation and a celebration and now go back, now return and know that all is well everything is taken care of. And I kept feeling that sense of love and protection, but I, st I, I still don't think that I was, I was fully on board with understanding all of that. And I'll talk a little bit more about that as well. The sense of knowing that that angelic calling or presence was again pulling me um, became stronger than being in this environment and it felt like everything here had been wrapped up if you will so there was just this expansion again back into this um pinkness and a glory and a love of presence that i just can't again explain um and a knowing that i was returning um but not really understanding what all of that meant hearing this voice as I'm, you know, moving from the tomb to back into this pinkness, I, it was like, I recognized the voice, but I didn't, it felt strange. And I, and I now know why, um, in the time that this was going on, my son was very young, still, um, elementary age. Yet this voice was a man and yet it was familiar. And I, and I realized it was my son grown up as an adult, 21 years old. And I knew he was 21 and I knew that he was coming to me and I knew that I needed to go back because the last thing he said to me was, mom, I need you to come home. I need you. I need you. Sorry. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. That's the hardest part. <laughs> He's so sensitive. He knows. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yes, we're okay. So Declan was saying, I need you to come home. I need you to come back. And there was a knowing that that's what was happening. That was, that was what was going to take place. It's okay. So with that, the expansion into the pink, the knowing to come home. Obviously, a lot more was planted in this 
than I can share here. And a lot of it has transpired and unfolded over the last many years since the near-death experience itself. Um, because again, you know, I'm relaying it to you in linear, but there is no time and no space. That's These are concepts that we've had to take on to be in this physical body. So how long I was actually experiencing all of this and all of the things that took place, even to this day, are still coming into what I call downloads of, of um, remembrance. The, the angel was calling me. There was like this sense of come, come. And yes, there was a, there was a physical um, angelic presence of Archangel Gabriel, very physical, very much aware of this energy, yet I was not a body. And there was, again, no need to go anywhere. I was it, the leading out. The vibration began again, and there was just this, this is goodbye. This is, you're going back. The last thing that was gifted to me in that experience was that I would no longer be the same and that I could trust everything that had happened, even though I may doubt it when I'm back in the physical body. And that my only role here is to breathe and not resist. The rest will be taken care of. I didn't realize how profound, profound that message was, nor did it feel cliche. It didn't feel like I was being appeased, like, okay, little human person, go back. <laughs> go back. There was a real deep understanding that I was okay. I was loved, that I had protection beyond anything I could ever fathom, that I had this ancestral support, that I had these guides and these angels and all of this support was now known. And with that, the vibration just intensified. That was the goodbye. That was the last message and the vibration and the sensation and the popping and the crackling. Again, movement, but I wasn't being moved. I was all of that. The pulling sensation and the um, just sinking or, or dissolving back into this whew, blackness again beautiful beautiful loving energy and presence that again i would have been happily um, pleased to stay there i just felt such a tremendous amount of love and back into the body at this stage very very confused um at this stage, ambulance workers and EMTs were working on me. And because we lived on such a remote island, um, I was having to be um, lifted into a helicopter to be taken to the closest um, hospital, which was in Auckland, New Zealand, off of this remote island where we lived. And um, I was just so euphoric from what had just happened. I felt such an amount of love and vibration that I didn't even know if this was really happening. If like it was really hard to understand what was real and what wasn't real and had I damaged my brain. And those things didn't really come yet. They came later. But what was really strong presence wise during the helicopter ride was me wanting to tell everybody how loved they were. 
And I know that sounds again, just really strange. I just killed myself, but all I could feel was this peace, this love, this euphoria that had just happened and had just um, come back with, with the, the version of Kelly that I now am. They were cutting my clothes off and trying to put IVs in and doing all of this and I'm doing this and I now realize they thought I was fighting what they were doing, but I just wanted to talk. I just wanted to share. They, <laughs> this, this other side, this presence, this heaven that is with us, this godliness didn't leave me and I didn't leave them. There was now an awareness that this was all interconnected now, but I didn't know that yet. I can put words to it now. I just felt evolved and loved and knew that everything was okay. All the experiences that I wanted to leave, all of the victimization felt like someone else's story. So in the hospital, in the emergency room I was put on a gurney the medication that I had taken and the alcohol had started to wear off and I felt very shaky um, and so I just laid on the gurney and kind of stared at the white ceilings and the white walls and what I was noticing was everything was movement anything I looked at I became it so if I stared at the wall long enough whoosh, I was part of that. I felt like molecules that just didn't stay still. And again, this is when I started going, oh my gosh, did you destroy your brain? And I wasn't thinking about the near-death experience that apparently had just happened. I was so focused in the moment. And I heard this loud commotion going on at the nurse's station outside of where my, my gurney was. And I had seen um, a man come in who looked very angry with a woman in a, in a wheelchair. Um, and he was speaking quite aggressively with the nurses and I couldn't hear any of it. I could just witness his movements and he seemed angry and the woman in the, in the, um, wheelchair didn't look like she had any like she was, didn't look like she'd been in a car accident or anything but she was odd her body was moving really strangely in her eyes and was kind of slumped a little bit and then she would perk up and so I started to realize oh my gosh she's she's on something there's something going on here she's she's medicated there's something going on and I wasn't familiar with hard drugs but it was definitely something that wasn't normal she was stumbling and she was you know really struggling to find her her sense of walking and she literally came up to the gurney and kind of landed on it and looked me right in the eyes and as clear as can be her face went straight very calm very loving and she said very gently I see you I didn't sleep much at all but the light started to come up through and so I got up and I opened the curtains and got back into bed and was just kind of sitting there and I started to hear all the traffic in the hallway and the food and the services coming around and the nurses starting to make their rounds and all of that. And sure enough, as all that's starting to happen, this cute little really petite Asian girl comes around and gets up into the window beside me and she's looking out. She's just this tiny little petite I don't, I was, I'm horrible at ages, but she was very, very young. Um, and she was just up on the banister and she's looking out the window and she turned around 
And again, for a moment, we caught eyes and she said, I see you. Now it was starting to click. Now it was making sense. I could feel the holiness in that. And I knew this was a message coming through her, not of her. I had a few more of these in the room. Each of them is very special and profound. I won't go into depth on all of them in this particular video, but I will just say that those experiences happened a few more times in the hospital. And it just kept reiterating to me how loved and supported I was. And these earth angels were bringing these messages to me at a time when I needed them to remain hopeful and breathe and not resist. And as they came and brought me that comfort, I started to do that. Just breathe and don't resist. And I, and I, to this day, that's one of my most profound and beautiful memories. I have it tattooed on my arm. It's so profound. Um, and just stay open. So the breathing and the not resisting got me through the experience of the hospital, which was continued visitations from these angels reminding me I was okay. Gosh, what a profound experience. Gosh, Kelly, thank you so much for sharing that so beautifully. Were you depressed and did you ever think of committing suicide since? Oh, gosh, great question. No. I notice depression arises just like any other emotion, anger, sadness, lust, jealousy, all of these things we call emotions. The feelings just don't come with the emotion the way that it used to, if that makes sense. So depression still can happen. Grief can still happen. Anger can still happen. All of those are still very much a part of this human experience. Um, I'm not above them. I just perceive them differently now. And I am aware that I am so beautifully guided through my soul plan and engagements with others um, that I just need to breathe and not resist. The rest is taken care of. The plan is unfolding. The path is unwinding. And anything that arises that feels uncomfortable, whether it's depression or anger, any of those emotions, they're fleeting. And there's an awareness to breathe and not resist. And they will pass through. Just like anything, it's like riding that wave, not biting into the idea of the emotion or the thought and letting it pass through. And then there's a real ability to kind of break those things down into chunks and um and and let them go i love it i'm doing extra breaths right now as you're talking gosh kelly thank you so much for being on passion harvest on a final note is there anything else you'd like to share with the passion harvest audience just how much i love what you're doing thank you to your followers who are hearing this if you have someone who's suicidal in your life if you have someone who's depressed if you're depressed, if you've been touched, all of us have in some way by someone who has suicidal ideations or mental health issues, my request of you is to try to move to your compassionate heart. Try your hardest not to say things like what a selfish thing to do, which is a really common reaction to people who have heard 
of those of us who have attempted suicide or um, have had someone in their lives, I promise you, in a diseased mind, we don't think it's selfish. We think we're doing others a favor. I now realize that's not the case. I now realize with a healthy mind, my child, my family would have been forever impacted and this would have been something they would have lived with forever. And so please try to find that space for yourself and for others to be compassionate and loving. That's what this is all about. This physical incarnation, this experience that we're having is a gift. It's a beautiful gift. And even the painful parts of it are leading us on that river of life to something that is far better than we can imagine if we're only willing to breathe, not resist and have faith. Beautiful. Well, Kelly, Sammy, thank you so much for being on Passion Harvest. Thank you um, for what, a, what a delight. And you're, you're gorgeous. You're so sweet and, and so authentic. So thank you so much. As are you. Mirror, mirror, <laughs> my sweet friend. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Much love. If you liked this episode, please do subscribe for weekly passionate inspirational interviews. That is the end of our passionate episode. Thank you so much for listening and please subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends and spread the passion. As always, every day, may you be more and more passionate.